Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background, you know it's from our good buddy, Mr. Torn Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album, Citizen of Heaven. Hey friends, just wanted to thank you for your kindness to Dave Kinneman and his wife, Jill, this week. Continue to send your love prayers. And if you would like to donate to help them, it's again at PrayForJill.com. Today on the show is one of my favorite, the one of the OG bloggers, one of the original people that were writing in our space, one of my favorite friends. She's just hilarious, Melanie Shankel. She's a New York Times bestseller, and her most recent book just came out last week. It's called On the Bright Side, and it is excellent. We jumped right in. We haven't caught up in a little bit, and I think you're going to enjoy uh, just a proper catch-up between good friends. So here's my conversation with Melanie Shankel. Okay. Are you ready, Melanie Shankel? Yeah, okay. I am ready. We're really doing this. F downs. We, we really are. We, this is, we both already expressed how happy it is to get to talk to each other because it's like real, like a real friend on the other side. It's just such a joy. Yes, it's like old friends. Like you really are one of my, I was thinking about it last night because I knew I was talking to you today. Like you were really one of my oldest internet friends. Oh, no quite. I I feel the same about you. I mean, I feel like we we met in 06 or 05, 06? It was, I think it had to be 06, I okay. think. I think it was 06 because I didn't start my blog till 06. Okay. So I think it was... It was 06, and you were just a, a sweet little teacher <laughs> that was moving to Nashville in search of a dream. And I mean, I thought, Mel, God bless you were her. one she's of just, the... She's just precious. <laughs> she's making a terrible decision. This will be cute to watch from a distance. <laughs> who knew? Who knew Annie I mean, F. Downs? No what, how well that was going to turn out for you? Who kn- not any of us when we were deciding it, that's for sure. No. No, I mean, you think we were at the very beginning. In fact, I was telling Sophie this week, we were talking about book stuff. And remember at that very first She Speaks conference and we were all there. And remember yes. that's when somebody told me and an agent told me or a publisher told me, nobody's going to want to read this book. Yes. Remember? I Oh, yeah. I think and about th- it all the time that someone said that to you. <laughs> and then your book hit New York Times. So <laughs> I'd like that person to, that person knows though. So it's fine. That's right. She knows it in her heart. She knows who she is. That's right. So, and that's I, enough. I don't... I don't know that she does know who she is, but that's okay. I remember. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's all that matters. As long as <laughs> as long as we remember, we will hold it dear to us. That's exactly right. So back up all the way to 2006. What made you? I'm okay. not asking you a question that you're answering 50 times on podcasts. I hope. What made you even start a blog? No. Why did you even want to do that? Because no one was doing it when you and Sophie started. No, nobody was. And I, you know, I had started reading blogs when I was on maternity leave with Caroline because she was born in 2003. So that was kind of when I discovered blogs and was like, oh, look at this. People write stuff on the Internet. And Uh um, I'd always liked to write. But I think at that time, Caroline, when I finally started it, she was about a month shy of her third birthday. And it was just at that age where she was doing so many cute and fun things. And I yeah. thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to start a blog. Like, people do this. And so I went to blogger.com, and I got my free blogspot address. And I called it Big Mama, which yeah. was a mistake, but I did. <laughs> and- well, you just had no idea anybody besides your family was going to really read it, right? No, I had no idea. And honestly, for like the first two months, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it because I was like, this feels like the weirdest thing to write stuff on the internet. Like this feels so weird. And I was like, I don't, 
I don't think my family will understand what a blog is. Uh And here's the thing, given my personality, which you know this about me, part of me thought I'm only going to do this for like four weeks and be done. You know, like I never, I never (laughs) finish anything. Right. So yeah, so it's so funny, but it really was on a whim. Like it just was kind of in a creative, I feel like I want to write. I've always loved to write. I'm going to go type some stuff on my desktop computer. Yes, listen. Um, Yeah. I'm going to dial up and I'm going to type some stuff in. some pictures of my kid. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, who would have known what that was going to turn into? I just think it's fascinating. I mean, I was thinking about this morning when I was coming in, a very similar thing of like, man, when Melanie and I met, you were, uh, Caroline was like, three or something. She was tiny. Yeah. I mean, it was like, she was, I mean, I feel like I, when I came to San Antonio, I brought her a pink backpack, I think. Yeah. She was like in kindergarten and now she's a high schooler. Yeah. And now she drives her own vehicle. Like she drives herself around like a real grown up and we're like getting ready to submit college applications. Is she going to try to play soccer in college? No, she's not. I, I can't really talk about it. No, she, (laughs) it's a, it's a, here's the thing. I'm torn because on one hand, part of the reason she's decided not to is she really wants to go to Texas A&M. And you know what that means to me, um, to to have a daughter who wants to be an Aggie. So I feel like well done on that. And their team is so good. Um, that's just a whole different level of play. And I think she kind of started to know early on, like she doesn't want to her college experience to work as hard as a D1 athlete yeah. maybe has to yeah. work. So, I mean, it um, becomes your life, I've heard. Clearly, yeah, I did. Yeah, I also, shocking <laughs> everyone listening, actually wasn't a D1 athlete either. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have heard it is very, um, it is overwhelming of your life. Yeah, yeah. I think it becomes, it's your, your whole thing. And so yeah. it has to be your whole thing. And so, you know, it is what it is. And so part of me is real sad because I love watching her play, but I also totally get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, as a soccer player who quit after high school, I just want to tell all high school soccer players to keep playing. But I get it. I mean, yeah. I made the same decision. But <clears throat> man, I, I wish I had played longer than I did. Yeah, and it's hard because I think it it's so all-consuming. And and for her, I feel like we're always fighting an injury. And I get, like, at some point, you're like, oh, the wear really? and tear on your body is a lot. Okay. And so, you know, it's just, and she's done it since she was six years old. And she's done right. it. I mean, you know, the thing about sports now is you do it year-round. I mean, we've oh, right. traveled and, you know, we're in the car every weekend and we're going to Dallas and Oklahoma and all that stuff. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's been a lot, but it's, I'll miss it. It's been so fun. I mean, tell me how you're I'm trying to think of how to phrase this when you look at the last decade of uh-huh. your child's life at my friend Eddie Koffeltz was on the show at the end of the year last year and his kids are six and five and he was like yeah. the next decade of my life is them like yeah. I raised them for a decade so you're getting to where you've raised Caroline for 16 years but you spent a whole decade raising her what do you yeah. know about yourself now that you didn't when she was six Oh, that is a great question. Thank you so I much. think that I am maybe more patient than I thought I would be. Oh wow! I think that I'm. I think that I have learned that I love having a big kid more than I loved having a small kid. <gasps> do you really? I, I do. I love having a teenager. Like I, I feel like for as scared as I was, because I feel like you hear all the horror stories right. about, you know, they're just terrible and they're monsters. And listen, don't get me wrong. We have. I mean, it's like a roller coaster over here. We have some ups <laughs> and downs. I mean, it's 
there are some days that I feel so sorry for Perry because he's sitting on the couch and she and I will just rear. And uh-huh. then he's like, what just happened? And uh-huh. I'm like, it's called, it's called hormones. And there's yep. a lot of them. Yeah, that's right. There's a um, lot of those in this house currently. Yeah. yeah. But I think that if I had known when she was six, and it's weird to me because when I look back, like everybody told me that high school was like a freight train, like high school goes by so fast. And that to me is so true. Like when I think that she's in the spring semester of her junior year, it yeah. feels like she just started. Like that's yeah. so weird to me. Elementary school seems like an infinity amount of time. Like I think it's the homeroom parties that really do it. <laughs> That's what got you in is is knowing how many parties they had to do at, at four times a year or whatever, five times a it's year. So, it's so many parties. It's so many cupcakes. It's so many treat bags. It's right. so many school projects like shadow boxes that you have to help them make. Right. Um, and it, it's all fine, but it feels like from first grade to fifth grade. Now, looking back, it was a blink. But in the time, you're like, well, we're going to be in elementary school forever. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. this is my life now. Um, but <laughs> This I, is where I, I live now. <laughs> This is where I live, just here, just making a craft, just gluing a doily onto something. This right. is what I do. But but I think if I wish that somebody, and people did tell you, but you don't believe it. Like I look and think, I have learned that to me, every year of parenting gets better and more rewarding because I think we're in the years now where we're starting to see the payoff of all the work that we put into the early years. Okay. Just when I watch who she's becoming and who she is and like I could just cry like I'm so proud of her and and it's just it's it's so fulfilling I also think that one of the things I've learned is you don't know how much you can dislike other children who are not nice to your child really yes yes I feel like we've had some girl drama years and it's I had no idea how protective a mother's love could be and just how much you want to shield them from everything you're like so walk over here young lady and let me yeah. tell you a thing or two about my daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm about to yank your ponytail uh-huh. and tell you some things that are going to benefit you later in life. That's right. That you're going to be glad you knew later. But for now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell That's me, right. you know, I'm thinking about our friends who are listening, who are raising third graders or second graders or kindergartners. Yeah. What's what's something you would tell them about elementary school to that you know now being the mom way past that? I think number one, buy a lot of rubber cement. You'll be shocked at how much. <laughs> how quickly they go shocked. through that. <laughs> You'll be shocked at how often you need to use rubber cement. There's never a time in your life where you need more rubber cement than elementary school. Okay. Um, and then you never really need it again. Yeah. I think number one, to just, in, I think to enjoy it for what it is, because it you do look back and go, those were really sweet years. I think also... I didn't realize at the time because you've raised this baby and a toddler. And so to me, like by third grade, I was like, well, Caroline is, I mean, she's old, she's grown. And I look back and I think she was still such a baby. Like, you know, like I look at little fifth grade Caroline and I'm like, I thought she was so old and they're just still babies, but um, they are. And it's, and it's like, just to enjoy that time when here's a piece of advice an older mom gave me when Caroline was little is really be intentional now, even when they're, telling you things. And this is the age where they're going to tell you some absurd things. And you're like, you know what? I don't want to hear about your dream with the six pink dogs that like ran through the candy cane forest. Like this, I don't have time for this. But I will say one of the things, and I only did this because an older mom friend told me is she was like, pay attention and really invest and listen to her now. Because if she knows you listen to her now, she'll keep talking to you later. Oh, wow. 
And I think that has been so true because it's, she still talks to me. And, and, and these are the years I feel like when they get in the teenage years, you really need them to keep talking to you because yeah. they're processing so many important things yep. that it, it feels, I'm so glad that she still will talk to me and be honest with me about stuff. Yeah. I also had a friend tell me when a, my friend Annie Barnes actually said this to me. She said, when a kid says, hey, Annie, look at me. Hey, watch me do this. Yes. That if you will do, if you will, as best you can, I mean, come on, everybody, yeah. nobody's perfect. And, I know. And how many yeah. times can we watch the same thing happen on a slide? But that, yeah. that <laughs> your response to a child saying that is kind of a lifelong thing for them where they go like, because I want them to go, Annie saw me, you know, crazy yes. Annie saw yes. me and always, and, and, and until I have my own kids and I'm doing it with them as well, but with my friends' kids, I'm like, no, I try to really respond to that when they say, hey, Annie, look at this or watch this because they yeah. know, like they know yeah. whether you really care. Oh, absolutely. I think they 100%. I think kids are so intuitive and so perceptive and they know when you're really dialed in and when you're just kind of halfway doing it. Yeah. Um, we always, one of Perry's friends, when he was little, his mom tells the story that he would talk and talk and talk and he was her baby. And she would just be like, you know, I've already raised these other kids. And he would like come and get her face and be like, mommy, look at me with your face. Oh, wow. And um, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I think you've got to, and I think it's, it's a hard balance because you want them to know, like, I'm listening, I'm paying attention, but then you also have to teach them, like, you're not the center of the universe. That's either. right. That's right. So how do you do I that? Mean, Tell me how. I don't know how to do that because to I, me, I don't, I'm like, <laughs> they're allowed to be the center of the universe for the 45 minutes when I'm there. Mm -hmm. So I do get to I ruin them like that. Absolutely. That's the benefit fit of getting to be and that's you know to me that's the the glory of like someday getting to be grandparents is you can just totally make them rotten and send them home and it's not your problem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um singles and grandparents now, we're the luckiest ones you are you get to be the fun aunt all the time and we um i don't know you know i think that for caroline it's just when she gets when she got to an age and we tried to teach her early on like you can't interrupt like you need yeah. to let your dad and i are having a conversation or i'm on the phone right now or whatever and it's within within reason i mean you still need they need your attention but it's also realizing they can't get it on demand every single that's time right. they want it. that's right you know so, right. It has got to be that. I mean, it is. Talk about because what I'm thinking is it's got to be that thing that you allow yourself to make mistakes on as a parent or as a crazy Annie, as they call me, as a person who has many BFFs or as a <laughs> grandparent, you've got to let yourself make mistakes. But but you but you also got to trust that that's going to be OK, too. Oh, I think that's the whole thing. And, it, and part of the whole thing about motherhood, because I mean, I've had so many nights where I've sat on the couch and been like, I've totally blown it today. Or really? is this going to be the thing? Because here's what I thought is, is this going to be the thing? Is like, this going to be is what this? turns her? Yeah. When she's sitting in therapy one day, she's going to say, well, when I was seven, my mom <laughs> dot, dot, dot. That's the whole. And here's the thing. It might be it. It might be because we have those things too. And you think everybody is just doing the best that they can. And it's, it always goes back to me where I'm like, I have to trust that God's grace is going to fill in the gaps that I don't because I can't be everything to her. And I think because of the way I was raised and with my mom, I, that's not a great relationship. So I, I mean, I came into motherhood hot, like I'm going to be the perfect mom. And that's just not a realistic expectation. Yeah. And and you start to kill yourself if you're going to try to, because you're going to blow it. And I think the biggest thing for our kids to see and what I've tried to do with Caroline is to be honest with her and be like, I blew it. Like that was, I way overreacted to that situation or I didn't handle that right. Or I should have done this differently. Or you, 
caught me at the end of a bad day or whatever. I mean, I think they need to know that we need grace just like they do. Is it scary to think about your child going to counseling? Parents make that joke a lot. Yeah, I don't think it's I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be afraid for her to go. I think everybody can benefit. You just hope that you haven't done anything that causes like the whole that's the catalyst for their whole you know, all their issues, you know, you hope that you've instilled in them security and love. And that's what I always think at the end of the day is I'm like, I hope that Caroline's memories are ultimately that we weren't perfect, but we always showed up and she never doubted for a minute that she was loved because I think that covers a lot of other mistakes. It covers the times when maybe you've yelled too loud at a soccer game. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. For example, hypothetically hypothetically speaking, (laughs) of course, did you, and we can, we can totally not talk about this if you don't want to just say Annie, but did you guys always want one kid or did you want more children? You know, I think Perry, I think always just wanted one. We never said it's one of those things where like, um, here's what I'm gonna say. Single people do better because Perry and I'd never had a kid discussion before we (laughs) got married. You're like, Annie, as you get started, have this conversation. (laughs) I... I'm just saying that maybe you should dig deeper than I did, which was he looks really cute in his jeans and boots and he loves Jesus. <laughs> I, that's the enough. End. I, I think that's I fine. Mean, <laughs> what else do you need? That's right. But I'm like, we never we never really had those conversations that they tell you you should have in premarital counseling sure. like about okay. kids and all that stuff. So we hadn't really talked about it. And then we waited. We were married six years before. We both knew, I think, somewhere we weren't in a hurry. So we got married at 26. We waited six years to have Caroline. Okay. And then I had a really, really hard miscarriage before I had her. And so I think okay. that framed some of it, like looking back, because that was, it was so bad. And it, it, it's called a molar pregnancy. And so there were a lot of complications. And so I what think- What does that mean? Of, I've never heard that before. It's a, well, I had never heard of it either. Um, so it basically means that I guess the baby dies and then your cells don't know that you're not pregnant. And it's almost like a cancerous thing where it just starts to multiply oh cells gosh. in your uterus. And so Maybe. I actually had to have like these like chemotherapy shots. And so oh on top of gosh. the heartache of like that we had lost the baby, it was like six months of like I had to get my blood checked every week and we were scared. And there was this whole thing of, am I even going to be able to have a baby? You know, it just felt so scary. And then um, when I got pregnant with her, with Caroline, it was a little bit sooner than the doctors had told me to get pregnant, which is another conversation maybe Perry and I should have had. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, I hear that there's a little bit of control over that, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying that maybe natural family planning wasn't our gift. And so we... <laughs> So I didn't really know how to read the calendar. And so I got pregnant with her. And so then I was so scared that something was going to be wrong or that, or that I was going to lose her again. So that was a whole weird thing. And then we had Caroline. And at the time, I was still working full time in pharmaceutical sales. And so it just felt like a lot to try to have another baby and manage motherhood. Yeah. And then I quit my job to pursue writing. And so then that meant that I was super poor for a long period of time. Right. And um, we didn't have maternity insurance. And then it just kind of became this thing of like, as we started to pray about it, and this is, this is kind of a funny thing. And this is, this is a long answer to your question. No, I love it. um, But Perry and I kind of started talking about it. And when Caroline was about to start kindergarten, I was like, I kind of think that I want to have another baby. 
And he was like, I really don't. And I said, okay, well, let's pray about it. And I, I really went into praying about it like, well, God's totally going to change his heart yeah, on this. Yeah. Like, this is, You're like, you know, I, know how like these I feel go. confident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, we're going to have a baby. But it was funny because I remember there was one night and I was asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep and I was praying about it. And I was like, God, I, this is something I really feel like I want. And it, it's one of those moments, you know how you have those moments where you know God has spoken really clearly? Yeah. Um, just where there's no, and it was at that point, I really felt like him saying, you're going to give birth to something else, but it's not going to be a baby. Oh, wow. And that started the whole, and it was about a year later that I did the book proposal for Sparkly Green Earrings. Oh my God. I know. And it's, it's so vivid in my mind. And I was, all of a sudden I was so at peace with it. Like, cause I think that there's this thing, cause at that age, all my friends were still getting pregnant and having babies. And so you start to think, well, this is just what we do. And it became this, no, it's not, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden I was totally at peace with it. And, and I have to say, like, I've never regretted the decision. Really? Yeah. I love having one. I really yeah. do. And I think it, and it's such a personal thing. Cause I mean, I have friends that have six and they, I can, I'm sure they can't imagine only having one, but I can't imagine. You're like, yes, six. you can. Look how clean my yeah. house is. <laughs> look how That's simple. Exact, look at, <laughs> look at, look at the money I can spend on shoes. Cause I'm paying for one college. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just think uh -huh. there's got to be so many men and women in this in a similar spot who had prayed for one thing and got a different thing. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the way? To me, that's the whole Christian life. I mean, it's where you're you're praying for one thing and you have this vision of it in your head. And I think that's the whole thing is because I was one of two kids and most people have two kids or at least or whatever. Yeah. I think that in my mind that was just a given and it was like God saying, no, this is what your life is going to look like. Wow. And I think it's one of those times that I look back and go, and here's that thing. This is God, That was God knowing me better than I knew myself Listen, because yep. I, I, I'm a person who was equipped to have one kid. I am not a person who is equipped for the chaos of four kids. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I feel that a little bit about getting married, Mel, where I think I'm not sure. Well, I am sure now, but I'm not sure yeah. I knew how much I didn't need to spend my life as a wife in my 20s. Like that just what yes. I wasn't meant to be a wife and a mom in my twenties. And I did have to grieve that. There is some like real grief to, yeah. to that, what that feels like and what that means on my life calendar. But also uh -huh. like, I can't imagine it a different way now. I, it doesn't mean I didn't no. want it a different way, but I just can't imagine what I, how different this whole story would be if God would have given me what I thought I wanted then. Absolutely, because you would not be doing the things that you're doing now and the ministry stuff and the speaking and the travel and the books like you wouldn't have been able to do those things. And if I was doing it right, I wouldn't have gotten to date some of the guys I've gotten to date. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten no, to have haven't. some of the friendships I've gotten to have. I mean, like there's relationship yeah. I would have lost that I've really benefited from if I'd have been married at 22. Yeah, I so. totally agree. And I, and I think there are people that are, um, that, and here's what I always remember. I got married two days after my 26th birthday. And I'm going to tell you something. I thought I was old. Yeah, I thought yeah. I am old and mature. And now I look back and go, well, I was a fetus and I really had no business getting married. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I mean, Perry and I aren't even the same people now. Like the, to yeah. me, the miracle of marriage is, is that here we are 22 years later and that we've managed to stay married because we are not even the same people that we were when we walked down the aisle. Like we're so different. And I'm like, how did we even, I mean, it was just like dumb luck and the grace of God that that worked out. Yeah. I mean, just because we didn't know, we didn't know anything about each other. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, so, but then there are so many of our friends who are listening who, who did get married at 22 and it's been the exact right story for them. And, yes, absolutely. and I, I just think it's one of those where, and the kid, people who have six kids, it's one of those where yeah. we, we should look at everyone else's life. And, and instead of going, I wish that was my life, just go, man, I'm glad that's their life. Because that's the story God's writing with them. Yeah, it, it, it totally is. And I see people where I'm like, you know, Perry and I did high school ministry all those years. And we had several different couples from our high school group, from our campus life group that ended up dating and then got married like right after college. And they're so happy and they're precious. And I'm like, but they were they were more wholly formed functional people at that age than, than what I was apparently capable of at yeah. that age. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. What I actually know about the people who got married at 22 is they're just better humans than me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Their brains were just better formed at 22. I was still celebrating when we had a snow day by screaming off the edge of my balcony in college. So <laughs> that, yes, pretty much. Though I'd still do that now. Just pretty much. Given the chance. It's, yeah. And right? why wouldn't you? So tell me mm-hmm. how you've balanced. I mean, how many do you have off the top of your head? How many books you've written now? Ten? Hold on. No, let me, I let me flip to Inside the Bright Side. It's been, Mel, I think you have. No, I think it's One, it's two, five three, four, book five, books. Six, seven, eight, nine. If you count On the Bright Side and really? the children's book. Yeah. Piper and Mabel. Good. It's all about the small things, fearless faith, everyday holy, nobody's cuter than you, which I love, the antelope in the living room, which made me laugh so much, sparkling green earrings, which everybody fell in love with you all over again about. So, yes. Okay. And now on the bright side, and tell me the name of the children's book, sorry. Um, It's Piper and Mabel, two very good, but very wild dogs. Oh, very good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've birthed one child and nine books. And nine books. So clearly... I, my giftedness laid in a different area. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, uh, Catherine and Jay Wolf say birthing a book is harder than birthing a child. I, part of me says that that may be true. I mean, I, I do feel like writing a book, especially it, the first one, like I always say, like sparkly green earrings to me, like that was so easy. And antelope in the living room was pretty easy. But then after that, I feel like each one has been such a labor of love and grief and wanting to quit. Really? Yeah, every one of so. them. But I think that, I think that's my personality. Yeah. Um, I think um, Church of Small Things, which they've renamed, it's all about the small things. So just know that's oh, that's the same Church. Book. Yeah, um, why did? Do, do we, yeah, oh yeah, formerly that. titled Church of the Small Things. That's yep, that's it. Okay, they decided to rename that one, but that one to me was really, I think, my hardest one to write. And I, I really why? don't even know why, but it took, oh, you don't I don't know. I don't really know. It took a real toll on me. And I don't know if it's just because I was in a weird season of life. I don't know. It, that one was, that one was a struggle. So, um, but I think they all got harder. You know, it's like Lisa Jackson, our agent said to me one time, she was like, you've put, you've gotten to the point where now this is a job. Like you may still love it, but it's a job. And I think for the first three, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, like yeah. this is, and I was just so glad to not be in pharmaceutical sales and having to sell cholesterol medicine to doctors. And I was yeah. like, writing is awesome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's so much It better. really is so awesome the first like eight days when you're like, I mm-hmm. am freelance. Look at this. And then you're like, yeah. I'm out of words and money. And I don't have health insurance. So what, right. what am I doing? Right. You know, but, uh, <laughs> 
It's all fine. Or a 401k. Is that even the right letters and numbers? That's how much I don't have a 401k that I wasn't even sure was the letters. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, but I I guess with each one, each, each book to me has a story to tell. And I feel like each book I can look back and go, that was a... Um, a season of my life where I was really challenged in whatever I happened to be writing about, which yeah. I think is so interesting the way God works. And which Sparkly Green Earrings is the first to hit New York Times, right? Yes, it was the first to hit New York Times. And that was, I think it hit the second week it was out. So it came out um, in February of 2013. Yeah. And I never will forget, it was like one evening and Caroline was eight, I guess at that time. And I was sitting there and I was folding clothes and I was putting stuff up and it was that it was kind of late evening or late afternoon. And Lisa Jackson, who was my editor at Tyndale at the time, texted me and she said, we just got word that Sparkly Green Earrings hit the New York Times bestseller list. And like, I'm telling you, Annie, that wasn't even something that I knew to hope for. Right. You know, that just felt so like nobody hits the New York Times bestseller list except for like John Grisham and Danielle Steele. That's right. That was that's in my, right. you know, that's, that's in my mind. Like I couldn't even fathom it. And here is where, and you're going to laugh at this because you're going to appreciate what this means that like I went running out and Perry was watering, t- we had tomato plants and uh-huh. he and Caroline were watering in these tomato plants. And I went running out and I was like, oh my gosh, the book just hit the New York Times bestseller list. And like, we jumped up and down, we hugged, the neighbors came over, my parents came over, we popped a bottle of champagne. Perry was ready to retire and sell his landscaping business. <laughs> because, because hitting New York Times sh- in our minds that changed it was, I mean, everything. It changed everything. Yes. It changed everything. And I'm going to tell you, here's what it changed. Not one single thing <laughs> in my life. Like, like I told Jen Hatmaker one time, I said, like, they don't even send you a jacket. It's not no. even like when you win the Masters. No. Like, you don't even get a jacket. Like, nothing. nothing. I mean, it, it, it does say it on the cover of your new one on the bright side. <clears throat> Melanie Schenkel, New it York does. Times bestselling author. So you do have that. But I beyond have that, that, no jacket, I, no ring, no no large in number or in size check at your front door. No, no, no. So why does not, it matter and, so much and to us? Because it does. I mean, I'd like to I pretend like I don't care. It's because I think it's a thing of, and, and here's the best part of this, and I do have to finish this, is like two weeks later, we got the actual sales numbers of yeah, the book. Yeah. And I, Perry and I were sitting at dinner and I was like, huh. And so I was like, well, here's how many books I've sold. And he goes, this is what Perry said. Huh. So not a lot of people read. And I said, <laughs> no, they, re- they really so don't. So it doesn't they, take much. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people read. So. I think because it's in our profession, if you're a writer, it feels like, and I don't even know why, but it's been set up as kind of like the pinnacle of success to be able to say that. And there is this thing of, and I will say like it, it, it has not changed one thing in my life, not financially, not in terms of, I mean, you would be shocked at, I mean, thousands of millions of people have no clue who I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nobody, nobody ever recognizes me anywhere. Uh-huh. It's, it's totally fine. Like it's, it's, it is what it is. Reese Witherspoon does not want to turn my move, my book into a movie, Currently, you know, like it hasn't changed anything. Well, not yet. <laughs> I mean, maybe call me Reese. That's right. You know how to find us Reese. <laughs> yeah. Give, give us a call. But it's, I think it's because this thing of once I got it, I was like, 
here's the thing. And this, this tells you my personality. Cause I'm a, I'm a nine on the Enneagram where I'm like, but here's the deal. I could never do another thing in my whole life, but I can always put that after my name. That's right. And it sounds good. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. Do it again. Yeah. But it's like, it's, I think that's it, but it's just, cause I think in anything that we do, like whatever your thing is, it's like, if you work at, you know, at, at the office with Michael Scott, you want to win a Dundee, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like you, you like the idea of, of being recognized for your work, I guess. Yeah. And I think a, a thing I've thought about with a new book coming out next year, and you only have to think about this about whenever a book's coming out is the only time you go like, what will that first month look like? And could we, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and I just have decided it is, I think with Remember God, I went, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And it shouldn't matter at all. And with the next one, I've kind of come around like, hey, Annie, that's allowed to matter to you. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Also, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. So both. I feel like I teeter-tottered all the way from it matters the most to it matters none. And now I'm like, it matters the most and it matters none. So hold both of those. Be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think that's true for anyone in any job. There is a recognition you mm-hmm. want, even if it doesn't matter, because that's kind of how humans are built. Yeah, I agree. And I think it, the recognition's nice, but I think that what God has brought me back around to, especially as I get older and as I've written more books, and you, and you know, you know, like there are books that have sold well and there are books that haven't sold as well. And there's really no rhyme or reason to why. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, that's the whole thing is if 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 book marketing can figure that out, then that would be the million dollar answer. If you could figure out why one book sells a million copies and one book only sells 5,000 copies right. or whatever. Right. Um, but it's, it's, to me, I look and I think, and I'm sure you're like this too, is it's, I've come back around to, I can't let that matter to me because when I get emails from women that say, I picked up your devotional and I didn't even know what it was, but God's mm. been using it to change my life. And I'm like, you know what? If I wrote it for that one person, that's why I wrote it. Yeah. And and it's hard to, but I'm like, because the books are a ministry. I mean, I'm not Daniel Steele just writing romance novels. Like I'm writing these books that I feel like God has given me these words and given yeah. me this message and given me something that he's put on my heart to share and to go out there. Then I always go back to that prayer of when I start to feel that thing rise up in me where I'm like, I want this book to do well. And I want it to sell this many copies. And I want this thing to happen where I'm like, God, okay, I want to go back to the base level, which is I want, I want it to do what you intend for it to do, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, it comes down to, I think for me, control, because if I work hard at something, I should get fill in the blank. If I pray the right words, I should get fill in the blank. If I, you know, like if I've done my part, then the results should be the result that I can map out on paper. And in New York Times and getting married and having children and getting the car that you want or getting that, I mean, all the things in our lives we can line up that we want. For me, it Uh always comes down to control and thinking that I can control the outcome and I very most often can't. Yeah. And I think that's the way life goes is it's like, there's so many things that if I could write this script, here's how I'd write it. And, you know, I have a lot of ideas that I like to share with God about how I think everything should go. (laughs) And it's shocking the (laughs) shocking the amount of times that he doesn't listen to the way I think things should go. Um, So it's, it is that it's, it's that, that push and pull, but I see where, you know, it grows your faith and it is hard because it's like anything. And, and I still have this thing of like, I want my publisher to be glad that they took a chance on me and that they put this, you know, so you feel this pressure 
that you want it to be able to do a certain thing. And my other thing is, is I want to be able to continue to write books. Yeah, and so you're yeah. like, well, if I want to keep doing this, then I need to be selling books because if people aren't buying books, then my publisher is not going to keep publishing my books. Hey, friends, just interrupted this conversation with Melanie to tell you about our friends over at Glossier. Now, listen, you've heard it in a couple of different episodes now that we are talking about skincare and why skincare matters. You're going to hear Melanie give you some tips here in a minute, too. But I'll tell you, for me personally, it's not just about aging skin. It's about making sure that I am taking care of my skin in the sun and also keeping it clean and fresh as best I can. And Glossier believes beauty starts with skin first, makeup second. You probably know them for popularizing the glowy, dewy skin look. And it's a community-driven beauty brand, which I love, with products inspired by the people who use them. I'll tell you what I have loved so far that is in my carry-on on the bus right now on the Love Better Tour. I keep it with me everywhere I go is their Milky Jelly Cleanser. It is so foamy and so it smells awesome. <laughs> and it really gets all the excess oil, dirt, and makeup off of my face. And it's gentle on my eyes. It's great for any skin type. So I also love that it's just like a beautiful bottle. So it is my new favorite facial cleanser. So you can get that glowy, dewy skin for yourself by visiting Glossier.com slash podcast slash that sounds fun. You can learn more and take the quiz to find your ultimate Glossier skincare routine. Plus, all new customers will get 10% off their first order on Glossier.com slash podcast slash that sounds fun. Again, that's Glossier, and that's spelled G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R dot com slash podcast slash that sounds fun, and certain exclusions apply. I hope you'll try it. I think you guys will really like it. And now back to the show with Melanie. Uh, Well, luckily, on the bright side is one that everybody is going to love. This is such a fun encouraging book Mel I just I love it are you happy with how like thanks what what was this one about I mean I I I know what it's about but you tell the people yeah (laughs) what tell me what is this book what's the name of it (laughs) I started writing it in 2017 and I started writing it and it was two things happened Church of Small Things came out in October of 2016 and then and that was really had kind of been a hard season of life for me and then the presidential elections happened in 2016. And I don't know if you know, but that is kind of to me when the world, somebody set the world on fire. Yeah, like, yeah. What it, it was a, just it was a thing. Happened. Like, yeah, we're all doomed. Everything is doomed. And what I always say is by the time that election was over and going into 2017, I hated my entire Twitter and Facebook timeline. And it didn't matter if I agreed with you or not. That's like, right. That's I was right. just like, I'm so tired of us all fighting. Like, this is just exhausting to me. And why have we forgotten love and grace and joy yeah. and all the good things in life? And um, and so I thought, I feel like we've forgotten to look on the bright side. Yeah. And so that was kind of the whole thing. And, and I tell this story in the introduction, but around that same time, I had written um, it was an excerpt from Church of Small Things, and I had written it, and it had been published on a major outlet. And it was a story, much exaggerated, because that is tends to be my wheelhouse. About <laughs> same, same. How, I'm just saying, just about how I had let Caroline's hermit crabs accidentally run away. Right. And that we had set them free and that we couldn't find them or whatever. And I'm going to tell you that the comments on that post 
people hated me because of really? the hermit crabs. Oh people said things about me, like people, I'm not even kidding, wanted to beat me up in a dark alley Mm-mm. because I had lost our hermit crabs. Oh, no, no, that was a real thing. Like, wanted to beat me up. People were posting my picture on um, Facebook, apparently has groups where people rehome hermit crabs. No, and they were no. like reposted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The world is too small. It needs to expand again. So I don't know these things exist. (laughs) They are out there. And it was, it was that thing that we all have done because people who felt so strongly about hermit crabs were saying things like she shouldn't be able to have a child. She shouldn't be able (gasps) to have a dog. She's a terrible person. And I thought, so we've made this leap about me based on the fact that I let some free hermit crabs run away in my backyard. And we don't know that they didn't go off to a better life. We don't know that they aren't on the beaches in Corpus Christi right now enjoying themselves. But it was just this, I mean, I didn't say that I killed them. I just said that they, they escaped. So it just, but I was like, we've forgotten like the bright side. Like we've forgotten to look for the light. And I just think part of our human existence is going to be so much richer and so much better. And I feel like biblically we're so called to call out and to find the light. And it just felt like we had forgotten to do that. So that was kind of the gist of why I wrote the book. Okay. So as it's going into election season again, you can be our political episode we'll do here. How, (laughs) how do we, uh, cause you just said people need to call out the bright side and like, call out what Mm -hmm. they see but also how do we do that and still be kind on the internet like because i think so many of the people who rage on the internet or who say Mm -hmm. terrible things maybe not about hermit crabs but about elections and why they're voting who they're voting for they actually think they are helping us by telling us things yes like i've got to say this because people need to know the truth and it is just fighting constantly. How do we do that well? How do we balance that? I think you have to remember, like for me, I have friends, I have real life friends that we fall on all sides of the political spectrum. Like we are, we don't necessarily vote for the same people. We don't believe in the same issues. We look at them differently, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let a friendship end over that. And if that means that we and and why can't we have a respectful dialogue? And I feel like that's what social media has taken away to where we just we villainize. Like if somebody believes different than us, then they must be all bad. Like everything that they say is stupid. Yeah. But I'm like, why don't we number one, give somebody the benefit of the doubt and say, this is how they feel about this, but they're still a person. They're still created in God's image. This does not mean that everything about them is bad. Right. Because I think I think what that has taken away is if, and this is why I will never, you'll never hear me talk specific politics on the internet. And I feel very strongly about that because number one, the internet has never changed my mind about one thing that I believe. Ever. Except, oh, I take that back, skincare, which we're going to talk about. The internet has, has led me in skincare regimen, but other than that. I would agree with that. But like on deeply felt political beliefs or what I've never changed my mind based on somebody's tweet or their post or whatever. Here's what has changed my mind at times. If I can sit down with a person across the table and have a cup of coffee and have a real conversation about that thing and to really hear like, this is why you think that, or this is, and it may not totally change my mind, but at least it helps me see their point of view better. And I don't know how you do that on the internet, but I just... I think when you're tweeting stuff or what I always try to think is, is this something I would say to somebody's face? Is this, is this beneficial? Am I just saying it because I'm mad? Because if I'm mad, maybe I just need to say it to myself and not tweet it out and 
140 characters mm. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it is just amazing. There was a video I saw a couple of days ago on Instagram, fill in the blank, I don't know where, where a guy is yelling at a um, school board meeting and yeah. the comment under it was, and, and everybody in the school board meeting is yelling back at him. They all disagree with him. He's being super racist uh-huh. and they all disagree with him. And then he shuts up. And the comment under it, under it was, they do a lot better when there's a screen between them and us. Yes. Yeah. I think it's so true. And I was so like, true, that's it. We I, feel like we can yell anything on the internet and, and yeah. people have to listen. Yeah, I think it's true. It's always like I heard somebody say one time, like, we feel we, sh- we show our rear end because we don't have to show our face. And like... I think that's so true is that's the internet is a lot of people showing their rear end because yeah. they don't have to show their face. And <laughs> right. So on the bright on the bright side is telling us to do it different and to, and a better way to, t- to me, when I was going through the book, I was thinking Mel's teach me how to tell stories better. Well, thank you. That's really? nice. Yeah. And, and that to me is the way I write my books. And if you've read them and, and that's what on the bright side is, is I'm not a, I don't read self-help books. And so I don't write self-help books. Like I kind of write the kind of books that I like to read. And I love stories. I think real life, um, if told correctly, is always so much more entertaining and interesting than fiction ever could be. Mm. And so I love to take a real life story and turn that into something because that's how God teaches me stuff. And yeah. so it's like, I'd rather just tell you this thing about my life and let you kind of come to your own conclusions of what God is showing you in that or to find the humor in that. And, you know, if I always feel like with my books, if at the end of it, if I've made you laugh and I've made you cry and I've made you think, then I feel like I've accomplished my goal. Yeah. What made uh, you release On the Bright Side and what made you write a kid's book on the bright side all of it at the same time? Um, I didn't really plan that. That yeah. was not my pub. My publisher is what yeah. how, how that they happened. They said, "Let's get, um, let's get I, the whole family on one day. Let's do it all." Um, I had, I wrote the kids' book like two years ago. Yeah, um, it, it, here I mean a long time ago, and so it had just kind of been sitting because I don't know all the reasons, Annie. I you know it's That's it's how it goes. How the sausage is made. That's it had right. Been That's sitting. right. Um, I think children's books take longer because then an illustrator had to come in. Laura Watkins had to do the illustrations and the printing is different because it's color and all that stuff. And so um, at the end of the day, they were like, let's just have them both go out at the same time. And so that's, that's what's happening. I'm going to get to write some children's books coming up. And, and one of them is a, the first draft I ever wrote, I wrote in college. You're kidding. No. So it'll be, I love that. It'll be the longest. I mean, it's the first thing I ever wrote. And, and, and so it it is that fun of like, nobody knows how the sausage is made is the exact right. You know, like you never know when you're writing something, how long it's going to sit and how long it's going to be until it, it becomes something that the public sees. It's true all the time in Nashville because people write songs and 20 years later it gets cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You never know what words are going to end up getting used, but that's kind of, because with Piper and Mabel, like I wrote it about my dogs and they're, I think when I wrote it, they were two or three, and now they're six. And you yeah. see, you start going, y'all know that dogs don't live like I, it'd be real sad if this book comes <laughs> y'all out. Y'all got to, to put this like, book those, out, publisher. <laughs> <laughs> those dogs died. That would be a sad. That's a great story, and those dogs died. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to get bad comments written about me on, on websites now, Melanie Shankle. No, I love my dogs. I'm just saying that dogs don't live 70 years. That's you right. Know? So it's That's like right. we have to 
you know, get it out there while they're still around. Um, and my book that comes out next year, one of the main stories in the book is about you and Sophie's podcast, by the way. Stop. Yes. What? About I'm the, so you intrigued. may not remember this, but in, I mean, decade and a half ago when we started being friends, I was driving yes. to school one morning. Do you remember this? I was driving to school one morning to teach and uh, I was listening to all podcast and I was laughing so hard. I ran a red light and got pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Cause I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and I just got a ticket. He didn't care. He just didn't care. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was just laughing. Ran a red light. Well, that is sad. He should have, that cop should have looked at the bright side. He should have been glad. On the bright side. Um, are you still loving doing y'all show, the Big Boo Pat? Big Boo Cast? Is that right? Boo yeah. Cast. I love it. I mean, do you know that we started that stupid thing in 2007? Oh, y'all I mean, were the OGs for real. Y'all are the first people I ever listened to. I can't even fathom, like we still say all the time, how did we even know how to do that? Like we are two non-techie people. And it was really Sophie's husband that was like, would hear us talking on the phone. And he's like, y'all ought to do a podcast. And I remember her telling me that. And I was like, what's a podcast? I mean, that's yeah. how long, like, what is that? Yeah. Um, but, you know, so we've done it since 2007, but we laugh because we aren't even to 200 episodes yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, the the release dates of the Big Boo pa- cast are when they show up on your phone. That's when I listen is when it gets to yeah. me. <laughs> and Which and we've tried to be more consistent, but you know, we it's like a surprise. It's like you never know, it's like Christmas morning, like surprise, here we are, you know. But I it's funny because I think if you look like 2007, I don't know how many, but there's like two years in there where we did two podcasts for uh-huh. the whole year. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> right. um, Which is So, fine. and it would be and it would be stuff like this. Like I would tell her, like my internet isn't AT and T. I have bad internet, and I don't want to have to call to fix it. Yeah. So like we just wouldn't podcast. Yeah. So it was, we brought to it. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, we brought the professionalism that people have come to expect from yes, us to that yes. situation. It's such a good show, still though. Y'all talk about my favorite. Which we, I'm just going to bring two topics that have been recent okay. on your show that I would like you to do a round with me on. Number okay, one, I'm in. Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak. Oh my gosh. There's just I mean, no way they don't love about, each other. There's no way that they don't. I feel so strongly about it. And did you see this week? So like they were they were at the Academy Awards together. They went, he was her date, the whole thing. And then she put that picture up of the two of them, that portrait from Vanity Fair where he like has his arms around her. Oh my gosh. Like it was like a portrait. Yes. And I was like, well, now they're now they're just trolling us. This I is mean, the, it's, yes. It's, this is them telling us something or being cruel. Those are the only two options. Yes. That's it. It's they are the they are the Ross and Rachel of the yes. 2020s is what I'm saying. Like, will they, won't they, are these two crazy kids? Because I'm like, they is have he the father the, of her child? I I, I'm like, I feel like he has to be like, why, if you're single and you're going to have a child, why would you not have it with your best friend slash hopefully boyfriend? Right. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, don't. I just, I want to believe that they are soup snakes. <laughs> I, soup snakes. I love them. Do you remember from the office when Michael, she wrote that when yes. Michael reads Holly and he writes a thing and she's like, he's like soup snakes. And he's like, oh, that's soulmates or whatever. But <laughs> yes. I want this. I just uh, haven't thought of it in so long. It makes me so happy. Well, soup done. snakes. Yes. Yeah. I just, I think they're so funny. I loved them as Ryan and Kelly on the office. I just, I hope that. And he helped they, her write Mindy Project. I mean, he was all yes. over Mindy. Pro- yeah. There just has to be. 
There's something we don't there know. Has to There's be. a lot we don't know. That's how the world works. A, but and and I respect that they don't want us to know it. I, I respect that. I respect their privacy. I I wish they I mean, would well, let us I know it. But they I don't want us get... to know. I do not respect their privacy. I would like them. Well, that, <laughs> I don't respect yeah, that's that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish yeah. that wasn't it. I need to know more. Same. Okay, next topic. Let's talk about skincare because you are so good at it. What's the product everybody <laughs> needs to be using that they're not using right now? Everybody needs a vitamin C. I'm going to tell oh, you, okay. vitamin C is vitamin C serum is the game changer. Really. Um, it is. It's the game changer, especially okay. as you get older. Like I even have Caroline using vitamin C now. I'm oh, like, listen. you're never too young. I like, literally just tweeted, if I would have cared for my skin in my 20s, like I do in my 30s, I'd look like yeah. a teenager when I get to my 40s. <laughs> but I didn't. It's so, so if teenagers and 20 year olds will care for their skin, it will go so far. Yes. it's. I'm going to tell you the two most crucial things to me are vitamin C and sunscreen every single day. Like yeah. every single day. Like, okay. And nobody... I didn't start wearing sunscreen every day until I was in my 40s, yeah. which just makes me so sad. And I, I spent a significant portion of my teen years being a lifeguard where I may have put baby oil on my face. I believe I did too. I did too. Tell yeah. me what, um, what is the vitamin C cream? Is it, do I put it on at night? No, you put it, well, you can put it on morning and night, but really okay. morning is when I do mine. So if you, it, it, there's lots of price points, but here's the thing about a vitamin C that I have learned in my research. A true, there's lots of vitamin C products out there, but they are not all created equal. And a true vitamin C that's going to be beneficial is going to be a little pricier. You just okay. have to know that. Okay. But it's an investment. You only have one face. This sure. is the stuff that's I right. tell Perry when I order it. This is <laughs> you only. You've only I got also, one face. It'll, we'll have to make it work. I also say you don't want to be married to an old hag. So right. you're welcome. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Yeah, it is true. Where do you buy it? Um, you can get it anywhere. So I like, I've recently tried. So one of my favorites is vitamin C serum and it's by Sunday Riley. It's expensive, but it smells like oranges when you put it on. Okay. And I find that delightful. Now I have switched to a different one because I'm always in search of, it's like my white whale. I'm always in search of a better option. Okay. So I just recently switched to one called Nourish Max okay. um, that I found on the website. But when I Googled vitamin C serums, it was ranked the number one online, probably by people who work at Nourish Max. Sure, but I don't sure. Think but so. who cares? Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> But it's, uh, and it doesn't smell good. It just is like a, but it's a, but it, it was a little bit less expensive. And so um, it's just like a little serum and you do a couple of little drops in your hand and you rub it all over your face in the morning, like rinse your face, yeah. put that on, and then you let it soak in. And then you can put on your moisturizer and your sunscreen and all your other stuff okay. on top. The letting it, it soak in to me is a, is a tip, is a real tip. The like, I put my moisturizer on right when I get out of the shower and then I walk away because mm -hmm. you yeah. don't just yeah. pile, 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 pile. No, you've got to let it, you've got to let it soak in. And sometimes if you want to go really big, which I do because now I'm 48 and I uh -huh. need it. Uh -huh. Like if you'll get one of those little derm rollers that has the little sticky needles in it, uh -huh. you can get those off of Amazon. I will roll my face with that and then put the vitamin C on top. And it, it burns like the fire of a thousand suns, but that makes me think it's doing something. <laughs> that means it's working. That means it has gotten below the level it was supposed to get to, so you're doing it right. That's right. And so I feel like I can feel the collagen producing itself in okay. my face. I have not done um, one of the rollers. We, I'll, I'll get a link for, from you for that and the cream so we can share it with everybody. Okay. All right. Perfect. Because that but really I, matters. I firmly, 
Yeah, I really believe in the vitamin C in terms of anti-aging. Okay. So. Okay. I am of I am of the belief that my current thing, which is not near as fancy, is putting chapstick on before you go to bed. You should be taking a, care of your lips as well every night. That's a huge thing. I'm going to tell you, you're. I'm a little more bougie than you because I use the Laneige sleeping mask on my lips. Oh, when I, go I to just bed. got some at a at a favorite things party, and I'm going to switch as soon as I'm out of Burt's Bees. <laughs> 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 I got to finish what I got. I got to finish what I got, and then that is waiting for me. But I mean, I'm not yeah. kidding you. In the last probably six years, every night when I, not, you know, nine out of 10 nights when I'm going to bed, my face looks mm-hmm. like it has a layer of something from clavicle to hairline. I mean, I'm just yeah. like lotioning everything, everything, everything on my face oh. is getting cared for. I'm telling you, I've started following Kathleen Jennings Beauty on Instagram and she has changed. She's all about face masking. And uh-huh. so she's always showing different masks. And I just ordered it and I'm actually going to use it today. It's like a mask that you put under your chin that's supposed to help lift and clarify that. You know how your little neck area starts to droop a little bit. I've seen and it. So it's I've seen it. To, and I'm I'm going to use that later on today, and I feel pretty good about it. But it's, I never knew. That. <laughs> so you've got big plans, is what you're telling me. You're like I, Annie. We got to hurry up. I've got some stuff to do. <laughs> I got I got to get my face. Got to get my chin mask on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Annie, it's been great talking to you, but I've got to go. It's chin mask time. <laughs> Every twenty year old just went like, I don't want to what? be old. I don't want to. I'm scared. <laughs> no. I... I'm just going to say, I I come from a long history of very vain women. And so I can't help it. I'm, I'm better, but it's just, it's in me. And here's my problem. I don't come from a long history of vain women, but I am Uh here to break this, to break the cycle and start a new. (laughs) (laughs) I will be the first and I will, I will raise them up in the way they should go and make them as vain as the day is long. I think that is a good, I'm going to tell you, that's part of the beauty of having a 16 year old, especially in this day of like beauty bloggers and Instagrammers and all the people that do this stuff, because Caroline is the one that'll come home and be like, mom, here's what we need to get. Like she knows all the best products. I mean, she's helped me find a a better eyelash curler. She's helped me find a better bronzer. She's helped me find a better eyelash serum. Like she's the, the kids oh, today, the kids today know so kids much. know it all. Yeah. My mini BFF, my oldest mini BFF is 13 and it's a boy. So he's not very helpful, but I am ready no. for some, because I'm a good, even if I got married n- tomorrow, which I'm not world, even if I got married yeah. tomorrow, I'm, I'm 16 years from having an assistant makeup artist in my home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's true. Luckily it's true. I've got so mini BFFs. Just, I've got y'all's kid. You just have to tell me what Caroline's telling you. Yeah. And she knows all the stuff. And I mean, I always laugh because I'm like her, like her countertop. I'm like, whatever happened to when I was 16, like cover girl, that's what I knew, you know? And if we were really fancy (laughs) Clinique, like every now and then Clinique. Yes. And that was really only if my grandmother got it like as a bonus because she bought something and she would give me her Clinique leftovers. Oh my gosh. Melanie, when I went to that favorite things party, I, um, everyone, you know, everybody's like, bring two gifts for your favorite things Mm -hmm. party. And here's the budget, like $30, very low budget for, you know, a gift because we didn't do it at Christmas. We saved it for, uh, around Valentine's day, but I brought one of the things I brought. So I get that mask that you talk about. I get a fancy lip mask and I brought Maybelline, (laughs) Maybelline mascara. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. 
No, don't discount a drugstore mascara. But there would, are some very good drugstore yeah, mascara. Yeah, and what I said to him, I was like, this is not your primary mascara. You use this one. Yeah. After you do your normal mascara, use this one on the roots and up once on each eye. This is your See? secondary. That's what I mean. I, I told them this is my favorite secondary mascara. Again, with the yeah. vanity. And if I'm you've, just starting a new thing in our family I, line. I know. But if you've put enough thought into it to have a secondary mascara, then I think you're doing your job. Thank I you. think you're forging a new path. <laughs> Thank you. That's, I feel the same. You're creating a better tomorrow That's for the right. Downs family. For the Downs family women. I know. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You got a book coming out. Is there anything else we didn't talk about that we need to talk about, Mel? I don't know. I can't think of it. I think I mean, we've, we've really we've covered really a lot of bases <laughs> in one conversation. And I just need to publicly apologize that I'm this long into my podcast and I haven't had you yet. I have no idea why. I'm so sorry. Now, I was on one time. I'm try- I came on. I did a Christmas thing with you. Oh, my time. gosh. You're right. Couple- Thank you. You did. Yeah, you did. Like, I was went, yeah, scrolling back ago. looking for your name. and But you're right. You're on a Christmas show. Okay. Phew. Yeah, I was on a Christmas show. Well, um, but I do appreciate that you and I, I feel like all your podcasts, it's like there's always, it's like therapy and somebody cries and they say all the stuff. And I'm like, y'all, you need to get some vitamin C. Yeah, so that's Listen, I, we both know our roles in this world. I know my role. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And we, I, I, that's why I told you I've been looking forward to today all day, to talking to you all day. Because I was like, oh, this is just going to be the best and the most fun. And we can cry if we need to, but we just didn't need to this time. We have it no, in we us. Didn't. We've done it, it before. Was all, it, 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 Oh, we can, and we will. But again, but today it was all—it was the bright side today, Annie. It, it was, was all the bright side. It was side. on the bright side. Yeah. Hey, Mel, the last mm-hmm. question we always ask because the show is called "That Sounds Fun." Tell me what y'all do for fun. Right now, we watch soccer. That's what we yeah. do for fun. Yeah. Just yep. all sorts of, or just just Carolines. All sorts of. I mean, oh. like Perry and I, for two people that you think did not know one thing about soccer when we agreed to coach Caroline's team when she was in kindergarten, right. like we've become where we're like, okay, we got to set aside like three hours because there's soccer on tonight. Like we're going to pop our popcorn. Like we. <gasps> Who are y'all watching play? What's the. Well, I mean, U.S. women usually, I mean, like right now, we, are, we aren't professional soccer people. We tend to like the college soccer games yeah. when they're on. Um, and we love watching the U.S. women's team always. And then just random, if it's on TV, we watch. And, you know, it's that thing that as parents, we're like, Caroline, watch out. See how they just did that. See how yeah. they did that set piece yeah. and how she went in. And, like, she's over there watching, like, to all the boys I've loved before on Netflix. Like, she could care less. <laughs> right. We're, right. We're, we're oh. super invested. Yeah. I mean, that women's national team is no joke. Our U.S. team is so good. They are so, they are so, so good. But it still goes back to like as a mom, like my favorite, like right now we're in the middle of school soccer season and I love watching Caroline play. It yeah. just, there's just something about watching your kid do something that they love and that they're good at that just is the greatest feeling in the whole world. I loved you sh- putting that, uh, you put a video up recently of her sco- scoring a goal and I was like, man, that is fun yeah. to see. It is. It's just, I'll just never get tired of it. Like, yeah. it's just, it's fun to see them go out there and do their thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, will you also tell your family hi? And will you also tell your best friend Gully hi for me? Because I adore her. Of course I will. I she know. She's wonderful. Sweet Gully. Yeah, I know. She's got a baby graduating this year. So. I can't believe that. Where's he going to school? A&M. Oh, y'all done it. You've done exactly what Listen, you always plan to do. <laughs> we have We have managed to. Now we just have to get Caroline in. But we successfully brought brainwashed our children so that we will get to spend lots of years on college station together going to football games yes well done yeah um well thanks for making time for this day mel i love you i'm grateful for you thanks annie i love you thank you for having me it's been so fun 
friends. Isn't she the funniest? I mean, I just adore her. I just could not love Melanie Shankle anymore. I just think she's the best. We had the best time chatting. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of her new book, On the Bright Side. Stories about friendship, love, and being true to yourself. The cover's beautiful. The words are beautiful. I think you're absolutely going to love it. And give Melanie a follow all over the internet. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you've enjoyed her work. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. And I'm embarrassingly easy to find out on the road tonight in Carmel, Indiana, which is a sold-out show. I'm sorry if you're close and can't join us. But the rest of the shows, tomorrow night in Florence, Alabama, and then in Smyrna, Georgia, and then finishing up the tour Sunday night in Chattanooga, if you're close to any of those, I hope you'll join us. Just go to CompassionLive.com to get your tickets. And that's it for me today, friends. I'm going to go out and do something that sounds fun to me. I hope you will do the same. We'll see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.